In 2019, a remarkable journey began with a simple act of compassion, the adoption of a school in Luero. This act set the stage for a series of transformative events that would shape the path of philanthropy, humanitarianism, and social entrepreneurship for me. The Angai Foundation emerged dedicated to work in early childhood care and education, uplifting marginalized youth by expanding our scope of work to the Nogura Man Home in 2021. In 2022, the dedication and impact of the foundation was celebrated as I was named the youngest winner of the prestigious Top 40 Under 40 Award by Vision Group. This milestone served as a catalyst propelling me towards many opportunities in the future. The recognition did not stop there. The University of Waterloo acknowledged this work, featuring me on the Faculty of Science page. Opportunities followed suit as jobs poured in rapidly. The Waterloo Chronicle sought out my thoughts on combating racism and promoting equity, diversity and inclusion. In 2022, a defining moment arrived when I joined the Canada Children's Hospital Foundation, a job that breathed a new purpose into my life. With the continued efforts and work, the impact that I had continued to resonate, earning me a featured spot in the University of Waterloo's President's Update, Global Futures Magazine and online publication in 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Young Guy International, a product of the Young Guy Initiative, and proudly affiliated with the Darabini blog. Join us on this inspiring journey of creating impact, inspiring change, and spreading hope in the world. Hello and welcome to the Young Guy International, ladies and gentlemen, from wherever you're listening to this from. My name is Darren Harry Bainey, the host of the Young Guy International podcast. The mission here is to create a socially connected world by diving deep into captivating stories, ideas, and experiences that shape our world, providing you with fresh perspectives and a renewed sense of curiosity. Whether you're a seasoned enthusiast or a curious beginner, this podcast is for everyone who craves intellectual stimulation and thought-provoking discussions. Today with me, I'm honored to have not only my cousin, but the co-founder and chief operations officer of Kundikids, um, Louisa Kiwana Olafui. Um, she is the co-founder of Kundi Kids, a renowned children's publishing and media company um, founded in the United Kingdom, but now on an international level with uh, work done here in Uganda, but also in Nigeria. Um, her expertise honed has been honed through roles at um, Cambridge University Press and Unilever, where she was able to deliver creative and learn about the creative and strategic growth of um, how to do her own business, Kundi Kids. She has a background in journalism, research, and storytelling, and is also committed to creative entrepreneurship, diverse representation in the work that she does, and of course, parenting with her one child. She also leverages her writing to inspire and empower the youth with engaging content. Thank you very much, Louisa, for joining us today. Happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Darren. It's my honor to be here on your podcast. Um, we're very much inspired by the work that you're doing and just young minds that are making big moves in uh, bringing more information around identity and culture and, and business. So um, it's a pleasure to be here. 
Uh, I can Thank give you, you so a little much. bit of background with Kundakit. So uh, we have quite an interesting journey. We've been in existence for about just under three years now, but even though it's a short space of time, we've made quite a big impact. So as a business, we are an ed tech and media company. So we work, um, we work to provide educational content, uh, which is further promoted through the use of technology in schools uh, and, and in homes. Our ethos is about bringing um, identity, community and culture to the content that children consume. So unfortunately, here in the UK, where we're based, only 5% of children's books have a black lead character. Less than 2% of animations that children consume on YouTube have a African lead character or a black African lead character. Um, and it's really, really disappointing because a quarter of the world's population um, come from African descent. But unfortunately, the content that uh, young people who are going to be our leaders of tomorrow are not consuming and don't have um, availability to, to access content that really represents them, that reinforces their identity, that gives them uh, enough to learn about and be proud about when it comes to their heritage. So uh, as parents ourselves, we are really trying to uh, debunk all of the misconceptions around why there shouldn't be, uh, why, it's not, why, why it's not a priority to have um, rich African-centered uh, identity, um, enhancing content for for young people so that's what we do here at kunda kids and thank you for sharing that and i think it seeps well into the first question that i'm going to ask because you talk deeply about um identity being sort of um, the ethos of the kind of work that um, you're driving for with kunda kids and personally with the work that i do with my foundation of working with children as well there's something that i i notice about um their emotional and cognitive development from a young age. And the first question that I want to sort of explore with this youth is um, beyond telling African um, narratives through um, Kundikids, in your opinion, what role do you think um, storytelling um, plays in shaping um, this emotional and cognitive development in children um, in general? Because it's one thing, obviously, to share the story, but I think in sharing the story, you're trying, yes, to create that identity, the African narrative, but what more do you think um, storytelling as a whole, you can focus on Kunda kids, but as a whole helps in um, this development in children? Yeah, great question, um, Darren. So storytelling is essential in shaping children's emotional and cognitive development. So the stories that we tell and the stories that we have been told, um, they are our window to the world. So before a child learns about uh, the North Pole, for instance, for Christmas, they have already read it through a book. They will never go there, but they will have an idea of what it's like and Santa's reindeers and how cold it is and the snow. And stories are the window to children's world. It's how they get to learn about different people and places and customs. Um, that are outside of their immediate uh, immediate influence and outside of their immediate setting. Therefore, when stories fail to represent the diversity of the world um, and also the diversity of the children that consume them, it really does a disservice. What it does is it either 
centralizes certain characters, right? So let's take, for instance, um, young Caucasian boys who dominate in terms of protagonists and children's content. Therefore, when children see this kind of characters, those young Caucasian boys that see them think, wow, I love this, but they also don't see other cultures. And they themselves think that they are um, their existence is centralized and it can end up, as the researchers told us, create inferiority and superiority complexes in young children where they end up seeing themselves and people like themselves as superior and other children assuming that their existence, um, their thoughts and their presence and ability to take up space uh, is less than and they see themselves as inferior. And uh, I think sometimes when we look at children, we don't really give them credit for how smart and observant they are about the world around them. And these, mess- yeah, these messages then end up being seeds that unfortunately are nourished through society as they grow older and they find themselves being um they find themselves not giving themselves credibility that they deserve not taking up space in places that they deserve to take up space in uh so all of this starts from an early age which is why at kunda kids we are so deliberate about the kids we want to make sure that we redesign how information is taught to children uh, at an early age when i was in school in high school my, le- my my lesson about black history in school started and ended with slavery and now you know darren i have traveled back to uganda multiple occasions as a child and as an adult and what i was being taught in school about my heritage was not what was being reflected and told to me by my my aunties my uncles my grandparents I was told so many wonderful things about my culture as a Ugandan, um, traveling to Mbarara, going to the village, learning about my, you know, the legacy of my people in the Ankole tribe. So what was being told to me in school was not a reflection of my history and actually not a reflection um, of the education that I should have, you know, been having. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to reimagine and we're not reimagining African history and storytelling just for African children because we ourselves in the in the in the global uh, scheme of things are not racist to ourselves it's important that africa is part of the global conversation we're building global citizens and in building global citizens Mm -hmm. africa should just be part of the conversation like everywhere else and uh, the opportunity to to learn and celebrate it just the same way we learn about France and Germany and Australia and we have these beautiful images of our minds and and different um, iconic things that we can associate from uh, the Eiffel Tower to you know in France and Paris to kangaroos in Australia what are the images that we identify when we think about Africa um, and unfortunately when you speak to young people those images and I, I iconic identif- identifiers of Africa are not positive um, and it does have a direct impact to how children learn, how they see themselves, and exactly as you mentioned, the emotional and cognitive development of young people is very much tied to that. True, true. And you've given a whole, a real full circle answer because I I do understand how for you studying abroad 
the context of how they teach um, your history is different from what it actually is. And personally, I've seen that when I left Uganda to go to Canada and then begin seeing how the Africans that, that lived and grew up there really don't understand fully the context of their history, even if they're Ugandans and have really strong cultural um, or historical origins. And I think um, you being able through, um, through Kunde Kids, creating a space that African narratives can be part, not overthrow, not take over, but be part of the conversation so that there is a general narrative that we are here too. And like you said, because we take up a quarter of the world's population, it is key that people understand and appreciate um, the work, our history and our heritage. And one thing that you did mention was um, equity, diversity and inclusion. And I think right now the world is becoming very focused and centralized towards promoting it. I think this, um, obviously, it has been a fight for a long time, but the the fight has was accelerated in 2020 um, when we had so much thing, so much going on around Black Lives Matter and all this. So you see now there's so many organizations doing EDI and they're you know making sure that you know we have to have one person of this race and of that race and this and. From your perspective, obviously, in an attempt to raise awareness about about this um, from um, a young perspective, but and um, trying to get trying to learn from different people, what challenge or up or obstacle um, has Kundikins faced in promoting this diversity and inclusion in children's literature, um, and how? Um, has the company or do you believe the company will overcome it? Mm, okay, so um, one of the challenges that we're facing and that we continue to face, but which I'm working uh, extremely hard to overcome, I don't know if I'll overcome it in my lifetime, but um, I'm here to try and leave, leave a legacy and, and I'm more than happy for somebody to build on the work that we're doing, is True. investing and seeing the potential in Africa's creative industry. Um, when we talk about equity, diversity and inclusion, we have to understand that achieving this is not as simple as just having more brown faces on the cover of books and more brown faces or people uh, in children's mm-hmm. content. When we, um, I was very observant to notice that when there was a slight increase in diverse books, quote unquote, in the UK, I did some research to find out who these authors were. It was good to see that some of these authors were from African and Caribbean descent, but we also had a lot of white authors now just having black characters and just changing white faces to brown faces. Sorry, but what that doesn't do is provide cultural nuance to experiences. Are we really, um, are those characters eating, listening, dressing, talking in a way that is reflective of their heritage? And um, do we have the best artists, creators, storytellers making this content, right? So at Kunda Kids, we we are very intentional about creating and widening the pipeline of African talent in the creative industry. We, uh, in May, we launched our preschool animation. It is the first music-led preschool animation out of Africa. We created it with uh, in, in collaboration with Creatures Animations, and they are an animation studio based in Uganda. 
uh, and an outstanding yeah. team, and they're incredible. And their co-founder and uh, director of Kunda Kids that we work very closely with, Ray Malinga, is a former Disney director, and he knows what it is to be working at that upper upper, upper level, right? Of when it comes to quality right. and output, and he therefore instills that to the team. And we knew that we wanted to work at a Disney level quality, right? We also did not want to feel like, oh, if we want to work at that level, then we can't work with our own. So it is it is our intention to uplift the community, to create proof cases. People see Kundan friends and they can't believe that it was done in an African studio. They can't believe that, oh, wow, this is coming from where? Uganda? Uganda who, where? So um, it's my pleasure to be able to put great talent um, in the eyes of a global audience. I want us to be able to continue to grow in our expertise. Um, when we, you know, we call ourselves an ed tech company because we use technology to improve literacy and learning. That's what the Kunda Kids app is there to do. But as we are now becoming more aware of technologies such as AI, um, you know, blockchain, uh, virtual reality, um, all of these things that, you know, that young people are going to be, if not already engaging with, are these technologies also being developed by people that care about uh, making sure that things are coded within a diverse and inclusive ethos? Um, where are black people and Africans in the conversation of technology and how it's being developed? Is it being developed with us in mind? So. These are the questions that we, we ask. These, this, this is the pressure that we put on the industry, and we don't want to grow a. Um, we don't want to just invest in enhancing the African creative industry like it needs to be separate. No, Kunda Kids is a global mm. business, and we are here having conversations with the global creative industry and just making sure that um, African talent is part of that, not segmented somewhere else. Um, so, you know, in terms of the challenges that we face, it's definitely uh, the amount of investment, monetary investment that gets pumped into our industry so that we can thrive. And also, you know, the platforms are a little bit underdeveloped as well um, that really showcase our talent, but we're working on that. At Kunda Kids, we are part of the 1% of Black-founded businesses that have been able to get institutional investment and achieve pre-seed funding um, and right now we're currently raising um, for our seed round so that we can have amazing in-person and digital experiences to grow our team and to become a household name um, but I'll say it again we are only one percent of businesses so only one percent of companies that go through pre-seed round and sing it louder for the people at the back um, they need to hear yeah, our black founded businesses so what we have been able to achieve is um unfortunately very rare in the ecosystem and we don't want it to be we don't want to be part of the one percent we want to grow that to the five percent to the ten percent to the twenty five percent um but it's not a conversation that we can have in a silo we're trying to make it into a global conversation and for businesses and venture capitals and angels to understand that um, there's a huge opportunity and talent to unlock in Africa um, and that we should be part of the global conversation when it comes to creating content mm -hmm. for children. I, I, just one last thing, I talked about the, 
the figure that um, the fact that we're 24% of the global population is of African descent. By 2040, mm -hmm. which is just around the corner, that will be 40%. So almost, you know, mm -hmm. approaching half of the global population will have African heritage. So it's really, really important that um, we are not sidelined because we have to reflect the diversity of our population. True, true. And before I go into your leadership in the organization, um, Kids, but also in, in now the space that you're in, because through the work that you've done, you're slowly becoming a leader, a global leader in the work that you do. But before I get into that, I wanted to go a bit personal and ask you, what inspired Kids? I know you've spoken about this multiple times, but I want to flip it and try to understand from your perspective through maybe an experience that you had, maybe growing up or now as a mother, what exactly, what was that tipping point that made you feel like, oh, we need to start Kundi Kids and we need to get this narrative out there? Okay, so um, a lot of things came together to make Kundi Kids be what it is. The main thing I would say is the fact that we started Kunda Kids during lockdown, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and Dele and myself, uh, we're both the co-founders of Kunda Kids. Dele is the CEO, I'm the COO. And um, we kind of joke about it and say it's just, a, it, it happened because we're just spending too much time together and coming up with crazy ideas. But as much as we say that in jest, it was actually a very emotionally taxing time for both of us because it was, as you mentioned, during the time when um, George Floyd was, you know, very unfortunately and brutally uh, murdered. It and there was such a such a flux, an influx of conversations around diversity and inclusion, and um, we had just become parents at that time our son was I think a little bit less than a year old and we were asking ourselves now as as, as Africans and he's a mixed race um he's mixed heritage sorry African boy who's mixed Ugandan mixed Nigerian growing up in the UK we were like how do we how are we going to raise our son in the environment that we are in with all of these conversations about race, the fact that somebody is black is still an issue. Um, and, and, and and what kind of ideologies do we want to instill in our child? So that I think was the catalyst in us understanding that we have to start with positive messages and affirmations to our child yeah. as early as possible. And then what sparked, I think, the, the desire to not just write books, but to become a publisher and then go into media was that these messages and affirmations cannot just be for our son alone. They also need to be for his, you know, for his friends who will be from a variety of different places and backgrounds. They need to have this mindset too. This, they, we need to grow them. We need to raise them to be global citizens as well, not just our son. Um, so that's what made us uh, have the desire to make sure that these are stories that can get into everybody's homes. But uh, I think we were definitely heavily impacted by a lot of the racial conversations that were happening at the time. Um, the fact that we were, you know, at home consuming a lot of content, books, TV, YouTube, um, as a result of being in the pandemic, pandemic just made us hyper aware of the kind of content that's out there and, and how it could possibly be improved. 
um, a little bit about my experience. Uh, at the time, I had just um, uh, I'd spent a number of years working at the Cambridge University Press, uh, leading product marketing um, or educational resources that they do. And I saw firsthand how um, exclusive sometimes the publishing industry can be to, um, to conversations around race. Thankfully, the kind of projects that I was working on were, were very inclusive and wonderful and were a great example of how to do things well. Um, but I was also in an environment where I think I was one of eight people in a thousand, eight black people in an office of about a thousand people. Um, and sometimes yeah. people not even knowing how to have conversations with me just because just because I'm black or um, being asked where I come from and being like, oh, it's terrible what's happening in Uganda. And I'd be like, oh, why? What's happening? And they'd be like, oh yeah, all the race, all the war and famine. And I'm like, it's terrible what's happening in the UK. Uh, you know, all the poverty and cost of living and there's terrible things happening everywhere. But it's just unfortunate. Mm. The first thing that you think about when I say Uganda is negative stuff, right? So, um, you know, trying to refresh people's uh, yeah, thoughts and perspectives about, about Africa. So I think, um, Coming from a publishing background, uh, I graduated school and university in journalism. So storytelling has always been very fundamental to um, mm -hmm. what I love to do. I've worked in marketing and business, um, but marketing is really glorified storytelling. Instead of making stories about and to um, about people, we make stories about brands for people. So storytelling has always been the, the thread that's run through my professional experience but working in publishing becoming parents um becoming hyper aware of children's content during lockdown i think is what really was a catalyst to to creating kunda kids and seeing seeing it as a a gap in the market that we could fill true true and i think in social entrepreneurship um that finding the gap is key to then using your passion using what's available to you and then patching the two together to then create the level of impact that I believe you know you're doing and clearly the whole world can see because of the funding that you're getting at the seed level, but also the recognition um, that the work you're doing is getting. Um, talking about your position as um, the co-founder and how it all how it all began, you're running a business. And I think this is a question that the answer you give will help so many people um, as they try to balance running the business, following their passion, making sure that you either merge the two or you find ways of making them work for each other. So with your background in, you know, in journalism, uh, marketing, um, and now that you're running a business, um, how do you balance the business of running the company? Because you need to make money in order for it to, to keep running with your commitment to you know, telling the African narrative, having this commitment to um, empowering and inspiring young children. How do you manage the balance? Uh, yeah, great question. So we're a creative uh, company, but we ha have a very commercial mindset. Dele and myself are quite seasoned business professionals. Um, he's a Cambridge MBA. And as I mentioned, I come from uh, quite a varied background of uh, experiences working with you know products uh innovation customer insight um, and as i mentioned storytelling i think at the i, I think uh, for example in our in our pitch deck which we have about kunda kids we have something called a strategy house and uh, I, I this is um 
a way of articulating uh, your company strategy that I learned during my time as an innovation specialist at Unilever. And I've taken inspiration of that and thinking about what we're doing as a house and that the foundation is, uh, you know, diverse and inclusive storytelling that celebrates identity, um, fosters community, um, and then the opportunity to really celebrate our heritage, right? That's at the foundation. That is what we build everything on. Everything we do has to come back to that. That's the foundation of our house, right? Then the pillars that we that uphold the house are our products. So our animations, our books, our events, um, our app. Um, and then what I like to think of what I like to think of as the roof of our house that that cover covers us and um, keeps us and maintains and sustains us is our experiences. Mm-hmm. How does Kunda Kids make you feel, right? And um, that is articulated through so many things from our aesthetics and our design and our logo. Uh, The name Kunda Kids, well, the name Kunda actually originates from Uganda. It means love. Uh, And I think in Zambia, it also means like winning. So it has a lot of positive uh, connotations. How do we make people feel when you go to a Kunda Kids event? uh, What does that experience feel like to you? What is the vibe that we give off? Um, and we try to be a loving community um, and a welcoming community. When we have events, you know, I'm there talking, hugging, um, meeting everyone. We want people to know that we're approachable. So in terms of having to balance everything from, you know, in the business, I think it's really, really important to know what does everything you do rest on? That's our foundation, right? what what is everything that we're doing built on those are our products right and what's everything that we do covered by which is our experiences and i think when you're able to articulate things in such a clear simplistic way um it means that everybody that you bring on the journey with you are all aligned we all have a single mission it's not difficult to understand um so providing clarity they say it's it it it, um what's there there's a saying that i really love that it's very easy to make simple things complex, but it is very difficult to make complex things simple, right? Um, and, and there's a lot of complexity that we that we have in a business. But <laughs> the, the art comes in simplifying it into nice, succinct, crystallized um, ways and a crystal purpose that is easy for people to understand and easy for everyone on our team to get behind. So my advice would be for anybody, especially anybody um, venturing into entrepreneurship or has a dream or a vision to want to do something, how easy is it for you to articulate what you want to do, what your purpose is, um, and think about your strategy house? Mm-hmm. What I like about that is the fact that you have found an alignment with all the work that you do, and you've made it easy for the people that join you and for the people that are listening, watching, and, and trying to associate with the brand. It's easy for them to do so, because like you said, You've made the complex bit of it <laughs> easy, and that simplicity is hard to find. And I'm happy that you have found it because now it, it makes it easy and fun to work because you need to have a bit of that <laughs> while you do the work that you're doing. And I think what um, the audience, my peers listening in, can take from this is that as you create your business, there's a system that you have to employ and create a bit of simplicity in um, that system. Um, there are a couple more questions that I wanted to ask as we as we wrap up this uh, uh, this 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 podcast. Is 
bit they have close and personal ones, but still stemming from your experience. Um, the African narrative and the African storytelling, we are, we are strongly associated with our heritage. That means our family, the people we work with, are the saying actually of it takes um, a village to raise a person, I think did originate from them, Africa. Yeah. But for you personally, how much of your success do you attribute to your family, whether it's just the nuclear family or the extended family? How much of your success? I think that's a question that not many people get because they think that when they get to a certain point, they leave behind uh, the people that took them there. And because the work that you're doing is about heritage and at the core of that is family, for you as Louisa, the co-founder, how much of the success do you attribute it to your family? I mean, 100% of it. <laughs> 100% of it, everything is, um, everything, you know, family is at the, the heart of everything that we do because um, we are a family business first and foremost. So Kunda Kids is uh, created by mom and dad, Dele and myself. Kunda is the word that means love, but it's also the name that was given to our son. Uh, his Ugandan name is Kunda. So um, our family are the the vital ingredient really to you know to kunda kids and how we how we come together and i think knowing and understanding um knowing and understanding our heritage is something that's super important as well so uh being able to take our son back home to uganda being able to inspire him about where he comes from him being able to read our resources it's like a 360 and you know i work with schools and um partner organizations in Uganda and I take it as a personal mission because I want to make sure that um, you know I'm able to give back all the beautiful things I learned about my heritage to other children as well moving forward um, but family is very much at the core and, and I, I like to think that we are a family and we operate as a family at Kinder Kids um, as well everybody on the team we care about not only we have our our professional objectives but when somebody's getting married when somebody's had a loss in the family when somebody is excited or having a hard time we we are a family you know we we bring that family ethos into the business um so yeah it's very much at the heart of everything that we do and i appreciate you for being intentional about taking um your son back to uganda nigeria so that in as much as getting um, these education in um, the UK, he still doesn't forget where exactly his roots are. Exactly. Because I think it's easy, and especially in our generation, that once we leave, it's easy to dissociate because now you're in a much, well, much better place. <laughs> it's now easier for you to forget. And I appreciate you for still doing that. And from the grassroots level, walking with him so that he's, he fully understands what exactly and where exactly is from. And the last question that I do want to ask is, yes, um, you create the books, you are into this, this space that is about content creation for um, um, this younger generation. But personally, are there any books <laughs> you know, or influential figures that have greatly inspired you on this journey you're on? And because my audience is primarily um, young people, my age, early 20s, getting into university, what recommendations would you give to a young person that's looking, you know, for um, this inspiration, for a book, for you know, someone to listen to, 
on their journey of um, personal and professional growth? How, what helped you and what do you think might help um, my peers? Right. I mean, I think there are lots of books. I wouldn't even know where to start in terms of recommending <laughs> books. There's so many books that I recommend. Um, but I think that a lot of my inspiration really comes from just having great conversations with interesting people. Honestly, from my grandparents to aunties and uncles, um, entrepreneurship, I think, is something that runs very, very strong in our family. And I think in Ugandans, generally speaking, I'm not sure what the statistic is to date, but I know not too long ago, Uganda was the uh, Uganda had the most entrepreneurs per capita as a comp you know as a country everybody even those who are employed uh, in full-time jobs have a side hustle and have a secondary income generated from something or another that they're doing so I think having an entrepreneurial mindset is very quintessentially Ugandan and also very quintessentially African we can't help it um, so I think being able to have conversations with lots of people from different walks of life uh people at different ages um and different backgrounds uh different you know backgrounds from heritage from you know social economical levels i think being able to have a nice diversity of people that um you can speak to get ideas from and, and be inspired by is key and i would actually even um you know I, I, and i love people like yourself, Darren, that uh, prioritize the importance of having conversations um, and getting them out into the word world in some kind of story form through podcasts, through like conversations, I think, with different types of people from different walks of life are always really invaluable um, and uh, very inspirational. So I think I'll definitely recommend having as many conversations with different types of people as possible. I love autobiographies. Um, and I gain a lot of insight, a lot of direction, a lot of inspiration from other people's uh, journeys, both in business and, and in life. So I would certainly recommend that. And um, just on that note, we have a we have a lovely series on the Kunda Kids app and it's called the African Heroes Collection. So we take people of African descent that have done great things and write short sort of autobiographies on their lives and the things that they've been able to achieve. Um, and in writing the stories and editing the stories, I've also been inspired by the people um, that I'm editing and learning about. So I recommend checking out that collection. Um, and yeah, looking at people's experiences is a great way to to learn about yourself. That's true. Thank you very much for um, for sharing that personally, um, um, Louisa. And usually I like asking this as sort of like the, the goodbye or the thank you um, <laughs> uh, question is, do you think 14-year-old um, Louisa would be proud of how far she's come and what she's been able to achieve? Um, to the state? I definitely do. I think uh, even as young as 14 years old, I knew that I was going to be a disruptor. I knew that um, I was going to be an entrepreneur. I never saw myself being able to sit at a desk for uh, the hours of nine to five for the rest of my life. I always knew that I was going to be creative. I knew that I was probably going to be um, leading and trailblazing and, and whatever passion it was that I had. So I definitely think that my 14 year old self would have been proud of me, um, proud of myself right now. And uh, I just hope that I continue to make my son proud and, um, and to be able to be a reflection that, that he can do great things and he should 
um, have a purpose, live a purpose-led life. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that's what I would really want for myself and for him. Thank you so much, Louisa, for um, for sharing your insights, your thoughts on um, one equity, diversity, inclusion, but also your journey and how Kundikin simply started as an idea, trying to figure out where exactly and how exactly to share information, African stories with your son, and now seeing where it is, it's um, inspiring to see how far you've come and how far you are going to keep going, not just in the UK, but on a global scale, because like you said at the beginning, you're here to disrupt <laughs> and to change the narrative that um, has been the way it has for a while. So I want to appreciate you again for coming, being part of the Young International Podcast. It's a pleasure to uh, <laughs> to have you here. And um, you're welcome. And um, to our audience, um, thank you again for listening in. Um, like Louisa said, you know, get out there, try to learn how to apply yourself in the different areas, but also in as much as you're going through something, learn about different um, cultures, heritage, and learn to appreciate that in our differences, there's something unique that you can um, employ and apply in um, your life and as you work with these different people from different backgrounds. Um, on that note, um, I want to thank you again for listening, watching from wherever um, you are listening to this forum internationally. Um, it has been a pleasure. Um, thank you again.